Hello and welcome to yet another episode of On The Grid podcast in collaboration with Prosper International. We're on episode 18 today. I am your host, Adrian Keita, and I'm joined by Harvey Todd with Cameron Absent due to uni commitments, shall we say, um, as the three of us are starting to get back into the swing of things with university. But in this episode, we're going to be looking at a bit of news regarding Nick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin's future at Haas and the announcement of the Qatar Grand Prix um, replacing uh, the Council of Japanese Grand Prix in November and also a 10-year deal um, starting from 2023 in Qatar could be seen as a good deal, could be seen as a bad deal. It's up for, it's up for debate. Um, and then we'll also look at the Russian Grand Prix that happened last weekend. But we'll start off with a bit of news. We'll start off with uh, Mick and Nikita. Their futures have been secured at Hasberg 2022. Not really a surprise. I think it was expected that the deal would happen uh, as it was going to be a multi-year deal for the duo anyway. But I think keeping them in for 2022, a bit of stability for Haas and potentially a good thing uh, if the regular changes works uh, in their favour, that is. Yeah, I think Mick Schumacher deserves to keep his seat. Nikita's not really done too badly recently. So, um, yeah, there's not much really to say about the, the pair. I think definitely Nikita deserves a better chance. Um, obviously, that um, has caused a, like an animal. And this season, it's been so difficult to control. I think maybe next year's reg change might improve the handling and let's see what he's really got if he can't do it next year then it's perhaps time that he gets replaced but it was going to be timely and it, it was obvious that he would keep uh, that Haas would keep Nikita especially with his father's backing in in the team so that wasn't really a surprise um, but moving on to the Qatar Grand Prix uh, that's been confirmed as on the calendar for the 2021 season uh, with the LaSalle circuit taking the host should we say the Grand Prix uh, in November, and also a 10-year deal has been confirmed from the year 2023, um, making up another Middle East circuit. F1, it's all about money by the looks of things. It it looks like from from potentially 2022 onwards that it will be like that. Um, but Harvey, what are our opinions on the Qatar Grand Prix being um, confirmed on the calendar? Of course, it's going to be another street circuit from 2023. I'm not pleased, are you? No, I'm not happy at all. I mean, like you were saying, it's the fourth Middle Eastern round. How many rounds in that region do we actually need? You know, you've got countries like India that have got a massive F1 following that haven't got a Grand Prix. You've got um, Germany. There's a four-time world champion on the grid who's German, one of the best youngsters in the sport is German and half the grid is powered by a German engine, yet Germany don't have a race. But don't worry, we've got four in the Middle East because, you know, money. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I follow MotoGP, the Doha circuit, it doesn't even pull that many fans in for MotoGP at all. It, it's just baffling. And I think, like you're saying, money talks. Um it's going to be like Catalonia. It's built for bikes. And I think F1 are really going to struggle to follow each other around there. I think it'll be an okay one over a lap, but to race on, uh, I think it's going to be horrible to watch. 
are we potentially saying that it's likely going to be another ball fest? I mean, we've had plenty of uh, journalists, um, media organisations uh, speak about um, the circuit and the addition to the calendar uh, and claiming that it will be a ball fest. But Harvey, do you, do you think that it may follow the trend uh, like a potential Russia Grand Prix where you don't really see much overtaking, but topsy-turvy races could potentially throw a spanner in the works. Could it Could it be similar to that? Potentially. Um, but possibly the biggest curveball of the whole weekend will probably be the fact that it's been the middle of the desert and we know what happens to, to circuits like that, you know, with Bahrain and stuff. Um, you know, say a sandstorm overnight, blows a load of sand onto the track and suddenly your racing's delayed. So... I'm not in favour of it. I think there's better tracks around the world to be hosting a Grand Prix. Obviously, it is November. Some places will already be having snow by that point, so it's difficult to say, oh, let's host it in Europe because it might get snowed off. So the FIA had limited options, you know, logistically. But, yeah, it's a difficult one, but it's, I, I don't know. It's I just feel like there were better options you know, maybe an extra round in Brazil or something since they haven't had a race for, for so long. And it's all around a decent track, I think. There we go. There's there's our two pieces of news for today's episode. A bit of a ramble, a bit of a debate, um, but it's it, anything's up for debate regarding the Qatar Grand Prix. Um, but moving on to our Russian Grand Prix review, we'll start off with qualifying as we usually do. Uh, looking at Q1, the bottom five were Kimi Raikkonen, Mick Schumacher, Antonio Giovinazzi, Nikita, Nikita Mazepin and Max Verstappen. The only surprise there, I'd probably say Antonio Giovinazzi. Usually in qualifying, he's, he runs very well, but Max obviously enjoyed his engine penalty, so no surprise there. Nikita and Mick usually don't qualify out of Q1. And then Kimi on his return is going to be a bit rusty, but Harvey... It was a bit unlucky for the Italian not to go out of, uh, not to move, progress on to Q2. But what were your thoughts on his performance, especially during qualifying? Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? I mean, he'd been beaten by what, one of the Haas cars. It, the lap wasn't that good either um, in comparison to everyone else. It was over a second behind Schumacher. And, you know, questions must be asked if you can't beat a Haas in quality, then you're doing something wrong. Uh, no disrespect to Mick or Nikita, but their car isn't great, is it? Yeah, it, it must be said because Giovinazzi is basically in the firing line. He either gets the seat or he doesn't. And performances like these, especially in qualifying, might quite, it might put into consideration for Frederick Vesser that he is not the right man for the job. But moving on to Q2, we obviously saw Sebastian Vettel, Pierre Gasly, Yuki Tsunoda, Nicholas Latifi and Charles Leclerc knocked out of that session. Yet again, I'll probably say the, the bottom three, so Tsunoda, Latifi and Leclerc weren't really shocked, um, especially with Latifi and Leclerc enjoying penalties um, before uh, the race even started. The two main shocks have to be Vettel and Gasly. Uh, Gasly runs well well inside the top 10 uh, on regular occasions, wasn't able to do so, only narrowly out-qualifying his teammate. And then said Vettel, I think his, his experience and his wet weather running is usually very decent uh, in regards to the intermediate, um, the intermediate weather 
that the drivers endured uh, during the first two qualifying sessions in Russia. But Harvey, do you think that Seb and Pierre could have been inside the top 10 if they if they maybe not made a slight little mistake? Um, what what are your thoughts on, on the German and the Frenchman? Yeah, I completely agree with what you were saying. I mean, Gasly's been up and in, in and around the, you know, the second row of the grid in the last couple of rounds. Um, obviously, he had a little bit of a wobble um, during sprint quality. That ruined his re- weekend, really. Um, Seb, he was unlucky to miss out by, you know, just half a second. You know, a margin that small, it, especially around around a wet track, it's, it's, it's not that big of a margin, so I don't think he should be too disappointed. But moving on to Q3, and it was an impressive lap uh, from Landon Norris to put himself on pole position with his ex-McLaren teammate Carlos Sainz alongside him. George Russell obviously made the, the made, was the first to make the switch to the soft tyres, and he qualified P3 ahead of Lewis Hamilton, Daniel Ricciardo, Fernando Alonso, Valtteri Bottas, Lance Stroll, Sergio Perez, and Esteban Ocon. Um, but Harvey, from the top, uh, from the top ten drivers there. Um, to see, should we say, the big three constructors, uh, which are McLaren, Ferrari and Williams, it was a good sight to see them qualify, uh, or should we say, in the start of the top three, because it's not, it's not a regular occurrence, but it's an impressive one, nevertheless. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, Lando, it was a brilliant lap, wasn't it? Uh, signs, it's also had good qualifiers here and there. And obviously George Russell just again, you know, proving why he should have been why he should be in that Mercedes next year and why he's got that contract. You know, he's outqualified Lewis Hamilton in arguably one of the worst cars on the grid. And you know, he's let's just give him a round of applause quickly. George Russell, pride of British F1. Go on, son. He said it again. He said the phrase again. Uh, it's a regular occurrence on this podcast, I feel. Um, but moving on um, to the race, we obviously saw a few penalties endured here and there. Um, so it was Lando Norris ahead of Carlos Sainz, George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, Daniel Ricciardo, Fernando Alonso, Lance Stroll, Sergio Perez, Esteban Ocon and Sebastian Vettel rounded out the top 10 with Gasly 11th, Zenoda 12th, Raikkonen 13th, Schumacher 14th, Mazepin 15th, Bottas 16th, Giovinazzi 17th, Latifi 18th, Leclerc 19th and Verstappen in 20th. But I think it's it's only fair that we look um, at each each individual constructor. Um, so we'll start off with Mercedes and with Lewis Hamilton who won the race. After the rain started to pour five laps before the end of the race, uh, he capitalised on Lando Norris's mistake of staying out. And yeah, he, he claimed it's a 100th win, which in itself is a record broken the first ever driver to reach a hundred race wins in Formula One and it's just it's just wise from a from a from a veteran shall we call him because he's getting because he's getting to that point of his career where he's going to be retiring soon. Um but what did you think of um Hamilton's performance Harvey? It was it was Lando Norris's misfortunes that allowed him to essentially get the race victory in the end. Yeah I mean if we go to the the very start of the race, I think he was down to seventh at the end of the first lap. So, you know, to get it from there, work his way back up and then obviously get the win. Uh, I thought it was a good drive from him. Um, and then obviously 
I think it would have been really interesting to see if he and Lando were pitted on the same lap because I think those two would have had a nice tussle towards the end of the race. Definitely, most definitely. But moving on to Hamilton's Mercedes teammate, Valtteri Bottas, starting from P16, finishing P5. I don't think he'll be too disheartened. I mean, it, it was said on the radio, uh, I believe, at the midway point of a race, but they're on for a top five finish and they got that top five finish um, due, due to obviously the weather and the weather conditions. Um, but with Bottas pitting as one of the first drivers when the rain started to pour, I think that played in his hands. Uh, because at the start of a race and the middle part of a race were a bit subpar from everything. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm going to mention when he overta- uh, well, was overtaken by Verstappen, the fight he put up there was very, very poor. Um, you know, I was much expect- I was expecting him to get the elbows out a little bit at least, but Verstappen just breezed past him. Uh, Bottas, yeah, like you say, the rain did help him towards the end and got him up to P5 in the end. And now moving on to your team, um, Red Bull, uh, Max Verstappen, P2, Checo, P9. The Dutchman, whoa, wow, phenomenal. I mean, to start P20 and crawl your way back onto the podium was a bit unexpected. And it's only a couple of points, the difference in the driver's championships. But with Sergio Perez, I think it could have been a bit better, um, but if it wasn't for the rain to come in the latter stages of the race. But what did you think of Red Bull's performance on the whole? I, I mean, you're probably delighted with Verstappen, but you're probably wanting a bit more from Sergio Perez. Yeah, well, well I'll start with Verstappen. Um, I, after the first couple of laps, I didn't think he'd even get in the top five. And I think the rain was probably the biggest blessing in the whole race. Um, I would maybe have liked him to pit as a lap earlier because then he might have given Hamilton a run for his money. You know, him on the on the wets, Hamilton still circulating on drives. I think he would have closed up quite a bit. Um, but obviously he didn't. That's the way he went. Um, but yeah, not, no complaints with P2. I was ecstatic with that one. It sort of felt like a win. And ha- I think had Hamilton not been in P1 and maybe had someone like Norris, um, I think I would have you know, it would have felt like he'd won the championship, to be honest, for me. Um, but then, yeah, Sergio Perez will, well, obviously sign that new contract, but I think he is going to start coming under pressure. You know, Gasly's had a couple of good races the last couple of weeks. Um, part of me does think he, I don't, I, I really don't know with Sergio because he's had a bad couple of races and it's sort of lost Red Bull, the constructors, because now Bottas has come back on form for Mercedes. Um and we'll just work it out here. You know, um, Mercedes got a 35 points about last weekend. Uh, Red Bull only got 20. That's 15 points over one weekend because Perez has finished P9. And, you know, if Verstappen is going to stand any chance of winning the championship, he needs his right-hand man to back him up. And Perez, unfortunately, isn't doing that. And I think potentially in the middle of next season, if these sort of results continue and, uh, Gasly's back in and around the top five consistently next season we could be looking at a mid-season driver swap that could be very very interesting uh, if Red Bull was to, were to do that but I mean it's, it's down to Christian Horner and what Dr. Helmut Marco think of Perez's performance but it's not been it's not been amazing especially when you've got a statistic under your name that George Russell is basically um, outperforming you in a Williams 
shock? I don't think so. Uh, Perez has been on a bit of a downward tra- trajectory ever since he signed that deal. Um, but moving on to McLaren and Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. Norris obviously started P1, finished P7. Daniel Ricciardo started P5, finished P4. It was his own wrongdoing, really, for Lando Norris. He kind of disobeyed team well, orders from his engineer um, and ultimately cost him his first ever race win. Daniel Ricciardo, I think, is, is beginning to really improve uh, his form, especially in that uh, McLaren car ever since his win. I think he's just beaming with confidence and people clearly highlighted that. But Harvey... With Lando Norris, um, I think we both agree that you, you kind of don't disobey orders from your engineer. I think he, he should have known a bit better, um, especially with his engineer having all the required data that he needs right in front of him. Yeah, I was, I was literally just about to say he's got a whole lot more data than you have. Um, you don't tell your engineer to shut up when they're providing you with key information and that's cost him. I've got no sympathy for Lando. He's done it to himself. He should have pitted. You know, it's it's not a surprise um, when everyone else is pitting apart from you. You know, Leclerc tried to do the same. I'm sure we'll get onto that later. I, I've got no sympathy for Lando. He, he should have just come in and listened to his engineer. Um, but as for Ricardo, I think he timed the pit stop well, got himself up to P4, you know, took advantage of those that stayed out a little bit longer and obviously fell down the order and got him up to P4, which is a, a nice um, batch of points for, for Ricardo. Yeah, um, we'll move on to Ferrari now. Carlos Sainz, blessing in disguise. Thank you very much. Another podium for him. Brilliant. I can't I can't praise him enough. Um, he started in P2, had the race lead, but unfortunately Lando took it before the Brit tumbled down the order. But a P3 finish regardless for... Science is good. Uh, and then Charles Leclerc, he, he got himself going in the midway midway through the race, uh, making overtake after overtake. But again, the wet weather um, kind of hindered his uh, chance of scoring a top 10 finish. And he finished P15. But Harvey, I don't think we praised Carlos enough because uh, I think alongside maybe Sergio Perez and Daniel Ricciardo, he's really getting to grips with that Ferrari. And you never know, he could be right up there next season in the drivers' uh, championship battle. Yeah, um, science is doing phenomenally uh, the last couple of rounds, hasn't he? Leclerc, I think it would have been interesting to see what would have happened again, like Lando, if he'd have pitted, you know, a lap or two earlier. But signs is, you know, stepping up when. Leclerc has a bad race or not doesn't finish. I think that's his third podium this season. Um, how many podiums has Leclerc had? None. So he's you know he's bringing in the the points for Ferrari, and obviously he's, he's doing really really well. And you know it was a signing that I didn't really understand at the start of the season, whereas now he's certainly making me eat my humble pie. Just to confirm, Leclerc has one podium to his name uh, compared to, obviously, Carlos's uh, three. But it's it's an eight and a half point gap between the two Ferraris, which I mean, Carlos, you wouldn't. I don't think it's surprising, especially with uh, the performances he's put in this season, and especially in that in that McLaren last season. 
Um, so I think it was self-explanatory that the, the, the battle between the two Ferraris would ensue and, and it is still going. It'll probably go down to the wire uh, who will be uh, who will come out on top in that battle. Uh, but moving on to fifth in the, in the Constructors' Championship, it's Alpine. Uh, Fernando Alonso started P6, finished P6. Ocon started P9, finished P14. Alonso, I think, <sighs> brilliant. Experience in the rain, an experienced driver, getting to grips with that Alpine. Ahead of 2022 and the regulation changes, I think, he'll be key for Alpine uh, if they are to push um, potentially for third or fourth in the constructors' battle. Uh, Esteban Ocon kind of really faded away uh, throughout the race. Didn't really see much of him. The wet weather kind of played a part as well in, in his downfall. But Harvey, we'll talk a bit about uh, Alonso because it's clear to see that his experience and his, well, knowledge of Formula One, shall we say, is proven to be pivotal uh, for Alpine and their battle for fifth in the Constructors' Championship this season. Yeah, he had a bit of a delayed pre-season, but I think as the season's gone on, you know, he's sort of adjusting back to the F1 lifestyle. And I think, you know, in recent weeks, he, he is showing, you know, that he's still got some pace left in him. Um, Ocon, I know we mentioned a couple of months ago after he signed that um, that deal, that he was on a bit of a rough patch, and then he won at Hungary. But then we haven't really seen much of him since. Um, you know, we were saying after Hungary into the summer break, oh, maybe this could give Ocon the springboard to go and, you know, do bigger things um, for the rest of the season, you know, try and get himself into the top 10, which I'm, I think he's still in, or has he dropped out? Uh, I'm not too sure, but it's, yeah, he, I mean, P11. He's slowly dropping back down the championship and it's a shame for him because I think, you know, he had the potential to do well. He's got a bright future ahead of him, but I think he's just had a bad couple of races and I think it's just, you know, when it rains, it pours. Pardon the pun. Yeah, Alonso's overtaking him for P10 in the championship uh, and there's another battle that will probably ensue uh, all year, all season long, should I say. Uh, there's 13 points between those two. Uh, but moving on to Alpha Tari, P6 to the Constructors. Pierre Gasly finished P13. Yuki Tsunoda, P17. I think, on a whole, it's been two bad weekends for Alpha Tari. Uh, obviously, we saw two DNFs at Monza and outside the points at, at Sochi. Uh, what could be done? I think um, if, a, if Pierre Gasly can finally qualify inside the top 10 once more, uh, could that happen at Turkey? Could that happen elsewhere? I think that'll be key for AlphaTauri if they are to battle and to sneak ahead of Alpine. And Yuki Tsunoda, I think he, j he just needs to take his time. He's still obviously a rookie and whatnot, uh, but I think this year will be just easing himself into uh, the groove of Formula One. But Harvey, what are your thoughts on the AlphaTauri pair and their kind of torrid look, should we say, in the last two rounds of the F1 season? Yeah, I mean, I think there was a stat um, that come out before Monza that Alpha Tauri are the only team to score points in every single race. And obviously that's um, ended now after Monza. And, you know, they haven't got back into the points in Sochi. Obviously had the rain not come. I know Gasly had a little bit of a tangle with Stroll. I think, I think they'll get back in the points in Turkey. I think 
you know, Gasly has good pace around there. But yeah, it was. I think it's just a bad couple of weekends. And then obviously the rain came and it sort of unsettled absolutely everything. Um, so yeah, Monza was a poor race. Obviously, Gasly's weekend was ruined in in the sprint. Um, and then Yuki uh, had his own reliability issues. And then obviously that poor looks continued over to Sochi. Most definitely. Uh, moving on to Aston Martin. Uh, Stroll finished P11 with Sebastian Vettel finishing uh, just behind him in P12. I think Lance's qualifying performances have been going or been taking uh, an upward trajectory. And I think his race start, especially in Sochi, was fantastic, moving himself up to P4, uh, heading into turn two. Uh, but Seb, yet again, I don't, it was. It was a bit mediocre, should we say? It's it's not been it's not been brilliant. But as a duo, I don't think they've done badly with Aston Martin this year. Uh, the the first uh, the first Aston Martin season uh, in F one in a very long time. Uh, but Harvey, what what are your thoughts on Stroll? His qualifying because his qualifying performances, like I said, have been getting better, uh, and he's been out qualifying and outperforming Sebastian Vettel in in the similar car, should we say? Stroll, I think, you know, in the early part of the race, I thought he was nailed on for a podium. I think he would have been potentially if that rain hadn't come. Um, but Seb, I think with with him, he either has a really good weekend or a bit of a, a mediocre one. And I think that was unfortunately one of his mediocre weekends. But, you know, Istanbul next week, he'll have a bit of experience around there. So, Hopefully that's a bit of a, a better weekend for him. Hopefully he can sneak himself into the points. But the thing is with the points, they're getting so competitive now because that midfield and especially some of the lower teams are starting to pull themselves forward. You know, your Williams, your Alfa Romeos uh, with Riken and stuff like that. I think it's becoming difficult to say, oh yeah, you're nailed on for points this weekend when, you know, you've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, Sebastian Vettel definitely has the experience around Istanbul Park, but let's not forget that Lance Stroll secured a pole position last year uh, at Istanbul Park. If it's a wet race, then it could happen the same. It could be the same, but it's not a pink Mercedes anymore. It's a green Aston Martin, so you never know what could happen uh, around Istanbul Park. But moving on to Williams, uh, Abor George Russell finished P10, start P3. Could have could have been up there if it wasn't for the awful uh, race pace that Williams do have. And then Nicholas Latifi started P18 after his grid drop and didn't finish the race with reliability issues, I believe, uh, in the last stages of the race. But Harvey, on a whole, Williams, like we keep on saying uh, every week, I think, uh, is slowly building up their race pace, their race craft, their one-lap pace. And I think if they are to continue this, are they nailed on? Uh, top 10 finishes on a regular basis next season, potentially? I'd say get rid of that next season. I think they're pretty much regulars in the points um, nowadays. George, if he has a good quality, he gets himself into into Q3. I think, you know, he's got a good chance um, if it's, you know, a dry race and it just stays dry without any interruptions in between. Um, I think Williams are already regular points finishes obviously like I've just said you've still got a lot of work to do because it's so competitive but George has got the pace and so is the Williams slowly and surely it is getting there and it is nice to see you know a big name back in the points after such a difficult couple of years 
Yes, most definitely. Uh, well, I mean, he's overawed me. He's, he said this season. Now, I mean, we've still got a couple of races to go, so maybe they are, they are able to keep the consistency going and to score regular points. Uh, but moving on to Harvey's second favourite team, Alfa Romeo. He loves Alfa Romeo. He loves uh, Kimi Raikkonen. He loves Antonio Giovinazzi. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about Kimi first. Uh, start a P13, uh, four places ahead of Antonio Giovinazzi in P17. And Kimi finished in the points. The Iceman in the points on his, ra- on his race return. I mean, what more do you want uh, in the battle for the eighth in the championship? I mean, it's, it's still... It's a, it's a lot tough order uh, for Alfa Romeo to crawl back the deficit on Williams, but on your first on your first race back after recovering from COVID, I think positive performance from Kimi. Yeah, um, I think Kimi had a great race, and it, he sort of just took it in his stride. Obviously, I think it's one of his first, maybe is it his first point since Hungary or before that, and you know the team has were ecstatic with him and you know he sort of just took it in his stride and I think that is a very Kimi-like performance as for Giovinazzi P15 rain caught him out really didn't it and it's not doing his 2022 hopes any good um, obviously with um, a catalogue of names linked with that seat it's disappointing for him because he's had a couple of good races before this um, obviously had a good quality in in Italy, but never saw it through after a, a bit of a rash move at turn three. Um, but yeah, it is. Um, I'm not sure with Giovinazzi. He's 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 like a tap. He's either hot or cold. Um, unfortunately, this was a bit of a cold weekend. He's on it with the puns again. <laughs> That's number two. <laughs> but we'll take it. it. It makes it makes the episodes a bit more entertaining. Um, but moving on to the final team in the Constructors' Championship, it's Haas. Not really much to say. I mean, Mick started P14, Nikita started P15. Reliability issues hit um, Mick. So we did not finish, and Nikita finished P18. It's, it is what it is. I, I don't think the Haas will score points anytime soon unless you see a, a huge crash, which, you, which you're obviously not hoping for. Uh, but unless it's a topsy-turvy race, I think... Zero points for for the 2021 uh, Haas bottom of the Constructors' Championship once more. Nikita Mazepin is going to win in um, Istanbul and, you know, they'll have 25 points to their name. No, jokes aside, it's been a difficult year for Haas. They've obviously got two rookies in the car and it's, like I said earlier, it's a bit of an animal to control. Um, And I think think from the get-go, they really just said, writing off this season, we're looking ahead to next season, but I mean, if it doesn't work out next season, then um, they're going to look a bit silly, aren't they? Yes, most definitely. And that concludes episode 18 of On The Grid podcast. Uh, that's all we have time for. I've been your host, Adrian Keita. I was joined by my lovely co-host, Harvey Todd. We'll be back in the near future, maybe next week, maybe the week after, uh, after the Turkish Grand Prix. But in the meantime, listen to this episode, stream it, download it, all the good stuff. Thank you for listening and goodbye.